0: yo what's up everybody it's your boy trev here the host of save and sip with the most simple job in the world find good drinks smart people and let the cameras do the rest we appreciate everybody who's been just supporting and growing our community um we're just doing our best to just impart all the knowledge that we've learned here um just from experience man the past three or four years have been crazy from from real estate to student loans the stocks to cryptocurrency to, investments, to you know you name it to just business and this conversation around business has to continue in our community the topic of today is student loans i believe student loans is an epidemic it's not a pandemic covid-19 is a pandemic pandemics span across multiple countries and continents where epidemics are typically more confined they it might be in a community or a country and this is a financial epidemic because people are going to school they're signing off on these loans and they're coming out and just not having a game plan or not making the money they expected, but they still have to pay back these loans because we put our name on it. We put our social security on it. So now what do we do? That's what this episode will cover. The ins and outs, the terminology. Um, Don't feel alone because you're not. We got a special guest, Mr. Lose the Loans himself. I hope that y'all enjoy and stay tuned. What's going on everybody trevor alexander here from the save and sip show where we bring you financial sense in a social way powered by Hennessy and the thurgood marshall college fund where education pays off we cover a lot of education topics on this on this show and i'm very excited today to bring to you jamal jamal has a deep background in student loans and has his story on everything under the student loan umbrella um i met jamal via a group chat actually via group me and hundreds of people, I'm gonna let Jamal tell the story, With hundreds of people that have gone to college and just don't understand the complexities of private student loans, public student loans, just loans in general. Um, with it being the college semester, with it being a lot of people, with the college landscape changing, I thought this was a very appropriate time to um, bring somebody on who can get people's education um, up to par on what exactly happens during this whole loan process. And even more importantly, um, after school. So, Jamal, thank you for coming on, man. Um, how you doing today? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. And yourself? I'm doing good, man. I can't complain. I see you. Um, I see you got your, your university T-shirt on. Is that, is that Rutgers right there? Yeah, that's my alma mater. That's the culprit who uh, owns all my oh. debt. Uh, the reason why <laughs> I got so much. So, um, I might as well show it. Oh, that definitely, that man. Definitely. Like how you yeah. going? Yeah, yeah, man. We, you know, sticking to the college team, I'm repping my um, alma mater of Morgan State, um, and also Old Dominion, and you did uh, double two degrees at, at Rutgers, correct? Yeah, undergrad, and
1: I went back for some more punishment for grad school, um, class of 2014 grad, and I've been um, out here in D.C. ever since.
0: Good deal, good deal. Okay, so yeah, you're, you're a master of um, the school stuff and what comes with it. So on um, so, yeah, tell me a little bit about your story, man. So you, you went to Rutgers. Are you from the New Jersey area? Um, and, and what really what did you study and, and what got you to where you are today?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm from North New Jersey, raising East star for much of my life. And then I moved out to the Plainfield area where I spent my teenage years. And I uh, went to uh, Rutgers. It was like 2008. And I wanted to do pre-business. Uh, well, I wanted to do a business major. And then I decided to change my major to political science, science, um, kind of dabbled in wanting to be a lawyer figured that wasn't the route and decided for grad school I went to a school for uh, urban planning and policy development at uh, the Edward J. Blaustein School of Planning and Policy Um, and
0: um, that you know it's been a a ride ever since. Nice man nice okay so um, okay so you did your undergrad at at Rutgers and then you went back there for grad so so student loans, man. So the group chat that I met you in, um, that I, um, you know, reached out to you in. Let me let me start with that, man. That that group chat has how many people, and um, and, and what really gets discussed in it? What are some of the big questions you see around student loans?
1: Right. So the group chat is a is a chat that's on the GroupMe platform, and I, it, I created in early January of this year. It's called Lose the Loans. There's about, um, there's over 500 people in the chat. Um, and it's kind of had to go from zero to 500 up to this point. And the chat's all about eliminating public and private student loans. Uh, and we go into detail into the tactics, the math of it all, the logic and the administration. Mm -hmm. Um, there's going to be tons of resources for any, uh, group member to both understand their loans and also understand, um, just intuitively how they should handle it and you know understand some strategies about reducing debt overall.
0: Nice, nice man. I appreciate that. Um I know the student loan bubble is it's just growing. The last time I checked and I saw it was like at 1.5 trillion. Um mm-hmm. so I know it's probably closing in on the 2 trillion mark. What what advice do you have? For one, this is a two two questions. For one, somebody that's about to enter college, a, a seventeen and eighteen year old high school senior, their parents are sitting down and they just want to get college paid for. And then two, um, for someone that just recently graduated, like what should they know about their loans? I know exit counseling is pretty um mandatory in most schools. Um, so you know what you have to pay, but what is your advice one to somebody entering college, what they should know about the, the a few loans, public loans mainly mainly?
1: Uh, either public or private, the, um, the the guidance I would offer for somebody going into college is much of the same, whether it's a two-year, four-year public or private university or college. The first thing you want to know is you need to grasp an idea of what is going to be your entry-level job and what is going to be your entry-level pay, mm-hmm. uh, because we all kind of measure our net or income that we're going to earn by the arc of our career. You know, when we're riding high, education's been clear, we got all the certs, and now we're going to make. You know, six figures and beyond. But in fact, the the very first year you come out of college, you need to know what that job that you're looking at was. That entry level job pay, and mm-hmm. you know on an hourly basis or a salary basis, um, just to kind of level set with yourself because um you're going to have so much loans you may not, and so much of life ahead of you. Uh You know, there you're really you're really banking on a lot of hypotheticals to kind of reach. Your, your ideal job and income with mm-hmm. all, my, all this type of debt. But on the flip side, say you just came out mm-hmm. and you now are kind of realizing how much debt you've compiled. You went through your exit counseling. You now are, you know, own your loans. The very first thing I would say you, you should do is you need to account for how many loans that you actually have. Okay. Uh, there is a, a really big, uh, it's a bit vague when it comes to um Loan administration for uh, any kind of college grad. You, I mean, you're, you're 22, you're 21 years old. You're coming out. You, you know that you own loans, mm-hmm. but you know that you only, you're being asked to make one payment. And so most mm-hmm. folks just think, well, they have one loan or they need to immediately consolidate their loans. And that's about the worst thing you can do when you come right out of, um, uh, grad or undergrad, any type of education. Uh-huh. The first thing you need to figure out is how many loans I got.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Got more than one. You got one for at least each semester, if not for each year. Mm. Then you need to figure out, you know, just collect how much um all the just details on it. Put it out, lay them out so you can actually see them and understand them.
0: Okay. Okay. No, that, that that's important, man. Um, I feel like I was kind of um aware of my loans when I was coming out of undergrad, but you just hit a good point. When you actually log into what is what is the actual portal? I mean it all it's all dependent on who your loan servicer is, right? Who you go check in with. But what are some of like the most popular portals? Yeah, so you, if you're yeah if you have, if you have
1: only a federal loans, you're going to go to your federal loan servicer that you've been having since uh, you were you were issued um, since you enrolled into repayment, and you're uh-huh. going to have to go into that portal and your login. You'll get your username and password. log in, Take inventory of every loan that you have. Every loan that you were um, issued throughout your college career is going to be there, and it's going to be. Um, you know, discrete. So that means it's that, you know, your first, your freshman semester, your freshman fall semester loan, mm. check out that, how much the loan amount was, check out the unpaid interest. You know, you need to actually log all of that um, because the way you pay off federal loans is such a uh, really particular <laughs> exotic way to go about it. Uh-huh. It, does, it defies conventional loans. So You really need to just take inventory of all that and then level set with yourself and say, all right, all right, this is how much I owe.
0: Okay, um, you make you make a good you makes a few good points there, audience. Um, you mentioned when you log into your portal, you might see several loans. You, you think about it. If you go for a two-year associate um degree or four-year bachelor's, that's four semesters or eight semesters. It's not all one loan. Every semester or academic year that you go apply for financial aid, that's a new loan. Um, they might be similar in how much you owe back and the interest rate, but they're all separate loans, correct?
1: That's correct. And, they'll, and they'll, um, the, the distinction of them, and you may have, uh, usually they're described as an award amount, right? So every semester you have an award amount. That award amount can be comprised of both subsidized loans and unsubsidized loans, usually one of each, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, even even down to the type of loan you were issued, uh, you should just kind of take inventory of, of all of every single loan that they have tagged to you, because inevitably it's tagged to you. It's on your credit report, Mm-hmm. it's in your name whether you noticed or not you know you got to just look at it all collect it all this just is just a big part of financial literacy moving forward even if beyond student loans
0: just take inventory of who says you owe them yeah um, so that's the first thing okay great point another thing you mentioned that i, I don't want people to um miss out on is you said refinancing all your loans right at the college can sometimes be a bad idea. Um, can you, can you go a little bit more into that? Let's say you, so let's say a college student comes out with $40,000 in debt from undergrad, all public loans. And someone says, Hey, come refinance your debt so you can have a a lower payment. What does that kind of look like? Uh, it, it,
1: it doesn't look like anything. Um, there is almost no circumstance where you want to, uh, where you want to consolidate your federal loans unless your loans are ineligible for PSLF and you are trying to pursue PSLF. Mm
2: -hmm. You have a
1: parent plus loan, it's not eligible for PSLF. You would have to enroll it into a direct loan Mm -hmm. consolidation loan among others, um, just like you had a Perkins loan or a Stafford loan. And you Mm -hmm. want to put those into a direct consolidation loan and and go for PSLF. That's your choice. However, uh, under almost any circumstances, I would recommend you do not. The reason why is because when you consolidate federal loans, it is unlike um, conventional loans. You will have your consolidated loan. Its interest rate is based on a weighted average of all the loans that you are consolidating. Mm-hmm. Meaning, if you have a loan that's $20,000 and a 6.8 and then you decide to add that $2,000 um, subsidized loan to it with a 2.0 or with a 3.2 interest rate, well, you just made $22,000 of uh, new debt mm-hmm. and it's going to be uh, at, a, at an interest rate of 6.8 because right. of the outsized amount of uh, the weighted the, because of the outsized or the disproportionate weight of your $20,000 loan with that mm-hmm. 6.8 interest. You added new debt at that higher interest rate instead of keeping it separate, paying it off individually and saving yourself some money. So um, the, 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 the part I think it comes into financial literacy is that we hear loan consolidation and we associate it with good. It's better. It's cheaper. However, federal loans don't work that way. They are individual loans. And if you do consolidate, you'll have a weighted average of the total loan uh, debt. And you can look at websites to find what is the weighted average of your loans. Mm-hmm. Um, depending on that total amount of that loans that you're already consolidating, you'll get a bracket of years to pay it off, right? And it'll kind of go from like 15,000 will be like five years and you think up from 20, you may got, you know, 10 or so and you know, 30, 40, 50, and it goes up higher. And so mm-hmm. it's not clear. And that's why many people fail uh, fall into the trap of uh, refinancing of their federal or i'm sorry consolidating their federal loans which is different from refinancing they're two mm-hmm. different uh,
2: financial instruments
0: okay and if you can speak to this when somebody let's say i have a a federal loan from the u.s government and you know i have to pay them back because of the money they lent me to go to school if i refinance that if i take those thirty thousand dollars and take it to a private company i'm no longer protected by some of the government federal guidelines um, if that because I've kind of heard that, hey, if you if I take my loan from the Department of Education over to Wells Fargo or to just any bank out here, then it's just different rules. They can come for me in different ways.
1: Well, yeah, yeah. And so the first thing you should do if you have any in, any concerns about whether your loan is public or private, the first thing you should do is go to your credit report, use your credit monitoring service, mm-hmm. Credit Tempest, Credit Karma. Look at all the loans that are associated to your Social Security number. Check to see. has issued your debt and if it's department of education it's a federal loan anything other than department of education it is a Mm -hmm. private loan now if you decide you wanted to refinance i'm sorry you wanted to consolidate your federal loans Mm -hmm. into a private loan which is saying um, i'm going to administer the loans uh differently i'm going to have a federal uh entity pay off my uh sorry my private entity pay off my federal loans and owe the private entity well that's new debt under different terms that's under the federal I'm sorry, that's under the private lender's terms. The private lender's terms may be less generous and Mm -hmm. almost every case will be less generous than the federal government because the private uh, entity just wants their money on a different timetable. So Mm -hmm. you're going to lose a lot of things, particularly like obviously loan forgiveness, but a lot of forbearance, right? You're going to get really generous forbearance under federal loans, like Mm -hmm. 36 months over the life of the loan. But if you go to private entities, I'm sure you're not going to get, you may get six months, Mm-hmm. Make it up to a year but you can see i mean three years to six months difference um on, on things like forbearance that's just for some people in the age of covid that's just you know untenable
0: yeah certainly
1: plsf is that the acronym public service loan forgiveness yes that's, that is the acronym for the most common form of loan forgiveness there's more than one
0: okay public loan service forgiveness okay mm-hmm. i know one um isn't there a particular loan for people that are, like, service members, whether that be firefighters, nurses, um, people that work in, like, the, the public space? Are you aware of that one? Um, it's, like, 120 consecutive payments, but I've heard different The so public
1: service loan forgiveness, yes, it's exactly what it is. Public service loan forgiveness dictates that you must have, one, your loans need to be um, eligible, and there's a criteria on federalstudentaid.gov that'll let you know. Most of them just have to be direct loans. Mm-hmm. And the criteria for enrollment in the program is that you are employed by uh, a public organization or a public entity, and that can be a university, college, state, or local government. Okay. Uh, and also um, some form of the military and nonprofit, right? And so, um, if you are involved in that, and um, you 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 do fall within the criteria, but it's always great to um, send out your employment certification form, ECF send that to your um, lender to make sure that you know, you know, my, my employment is qualified and um, I'm able to get um, public service loan forgiveness in 10 years.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So you can't just assume that you're qualified. You look Does up. And-
1: but also you should know once you do it, your loans. one of the telltale giveaways is that when you, when you consolidate, when you go for PSLF and you're um, accepted into PSLF initially with that, you know, in that first year, um, If you read the ECF form, you know, I think it's like item four will tell you, hey, if you're, if this goes well and you're accepted, your ECF is accepted, mm-hmm. you know, that says, hey, you're qualified, your loans will be transferred from wherever lender you have, like Navient, Great mm-hmm. Lake, and it'll move to federalstudentloans.gov. Okay. So there's only one federal lender who's responsible to administer the public service loan program, and that is federalstudentloans.gov. If your loans aren't there... It's very likely your loans are not in PSLF. You're not ah. going the process to certify your loans and whatnot in your employment.
0: Okay, got you. Because I know it's, it's a lot of scams going on out here. Oh, I, I listen. There's Let's tons of scams. scams. I know. I know. I know many scams. I know many scams that goes
1: on that go on. That's why it's so really important to kind of uh, just have a, a, a real uh, well of information. And that's what the chat is for. It's for everybody to kind of ask and answer their own questions. But and I'll oh. jump in. And give um, my, my information, my knowledge, and, and we're going to get through it together.
0: Okay, all right. This is um a question that a lot of people probably want to hear because I I'm going to say that a lot of you know we we both know a lot of people have gone to college or in college and they just don't have the money to pay back the student loans. So they didn't think about what the repercussions were, and now you know the the loan provider has said we need two hundred or three hundred dollars a month. What if you just don't pay your student loans back? What do you think is gonna happen? What does that look like? <laughs> all right, all right. Let's just take a little bit of time to, to decompress, relax your mind. Jamal just dropped a lot of terms on us in the first 15 minutes of this episode, but that's good. That's how you learn. You gotta you gotta just, you know, take it in and and let it process. We got a special gift for you. Jamal has agreed to do a private Q&A with the Save and Sip community, the growing community that we have here. If you have any questions that don't get answered that you were looking for, write them down. DM us because we're going to have a session with Jamal that we will invite all of you guys to via Zoom or another WebEx. And you guys can come on and just ask any questions around student loans. So shout out Jamal for um, agreeing to that. We also want to give a special shout out to all of our new followers, man. Um, we're here in America, but we just got our first followers from Tokyo, Japan, also from Germany. Y'all are part of the Save and Sip community, man. We, you know, we just thinking on a global scale and we appreciate that. So stay tuned. Keep sharing that information on um, finance, business is, is global, baby. Um, special shout out to Higher Level Skills Academy, the premier basketball training agency, in the D.C. metropolitan area. If you are ages 5 to 25, professional, amateur, you need to take your game to the next level. Higher level skills academy is where you want to go. It is just some bump. Let's get better. On the second half of this episode, Jamal is going to explain what happens if you just decide not to pay your student loans. What is a refund check? You know that money that, that college students get and then everybody is up. You know, they spend it, they spend it. What is that? What is a refund check? Why do we get them in the first place? Shit, we spend them. Jamal is going to cover all of that in the second half of this episode. Stay tuned. Stay ready. Stay sharp. We'll see you on the other side.
1: Well, I think after thirty or sixty days, I think after um, thirty days of missed payments, you're going to go into uh, you're going to go into delinquency. Okay. Your loan is delinquent. You are missed payments, um, and what happens at that point is essentially you're going to get a lot of notices saying, "Hey, you need to pay your loans mm-hmm. uh, and whatnot." But not much really will happen in that immediate term. However, if you let allow your non-payment status to continue for two hundred and seventy days, I believe, um, which is almost you know almost a year, you're going to go into d de- uh, de- uh, default. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, you're going to you're initially into default, and you're going to fall into delinquency. Uh, at that point, your loans will be become serviced and transferred to another vendor called, I think, Maximus Federal Loans or whatnot. Okay. They're the people who are responsible for collecting on on the debts of federal uh, borrowers. Um, they're not the the private debt collector. They're the federal government's issued, you know, federal loan debt collector. And what that means All is right. that you'll still have an opportunity to rehabilitate your loans and get mm-hmm. them back in a good good standing before. Mm-hmm. Maximus sells off your loan, to so the private debt collector, who's you know going to do whatever they can to get the money back, um, you're going to see your credit score is obviously going to fall fall into into you know despair. It's going to going to be reduced yeah. a lot, um, and you may you're going to see some garnishing of your pay if you reach the point of like um, you know 270 and beyond. You're going to re- going to see some garnishing in your payments. Uh, income, you're going to see garnishing in your federal tax returns. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're going to want, they're going to try to recoup the money that you owe. And it's the entire, it's the, in, it's the total amount of months that you've missed, right? And so it keeps on racking up. Now, um, some people have decided once they get to the point where they're at a pre- private loan debt collector, they're going to try to settle their debt for less. I mm-hmm. mean, um, more power to them. It's easier said than done. But um, for the most part, what you're going to see is that, you know, every, every individual loan, that goes into default. Remember, every loan that you went to school for every semester is a, is a one loan. So, mm-hmm. if you, if anybody decides, I'm not going to pay for anything, it's probably like 10 loans you're not paying on. Yeah. 10 loans will hit your credit score. 10 loans will be, you need to be collected. 10 loans will be sold off to private debt collectors. 10 loans will be, need to be rehabilitated. It's not just one, it's one payment, <laughs> but it's that's 10 that's individual cool. loans that go out. So, that's where yeah. you get into real trouble um, and it stays on your credit score and people may not well <laughs> want to give you a, a mortgage or a you know,
0: an auto loan. Wow. Okay, that's um, that's a lot. That it's, it's so it's so many components. It's just not like you said. It's just not one loan. Students in college, refund checks. What is a refund check? Where does it come from? Is it just an <laughs> over? Is it too much loan given? That's how I got in my.
1: That's how I got in trouble. I got in trouble with the loan refunds myself. Um. So every semester, you your uh the post-secondary institution, your college, your university, whatever, is going to bill you as the student, um, you know, the cost of tuition and room and board if if necessary. Mm -hmm. That bill is, in fact, what your um, lender, whether it's a federal government or a private lender, um, will take and they will issue your loan amount, right? If it's the Mm -hmm. federal government, based upon a couple of things, income requirements, they'll give you a different composition of awards, but hopefully you'll get your student aid to to, to be at least the bill that the school mm-hmm. sent you. Same thing for private. So um there are cases where you can ask for more. You can ask for you know 125% of what the loan is um what the what the bill is. Mm-hmm. And they're happy to issue you more debt, you know, so they're gonna say, hey, 10000 dollars is what Rutgers is asking for you, from you, Jamal. I'm gonna give you 12 because you requested it. Um, and that $2,000 difference will then be issued in a check in your name. Now, you still have a loan for $12,000, even though your semester cost was $10,000. But yeah, and that $2,000 difference is going to be, um, it's not just free money, it's on interest, right? It's whatever the interest rate of the loan is. So you kind of took $2,000 with a 6.6% interest loan, right? It's a personal loan at 6%. That's what you're gonna take with you. You're gonna tint your car windows. You're gonna you gonna pay for your apartment. Yeah. You know you're gonna live big for a couple couple minutes, right? Yeah. You're gonna you're gonna possibly plan a trip with that money, but yeah, that's what you know. It, it's it's just that difference, the excess beyond the uh, the build amount that you get from your school. It's just that difference between the loan amount you requested and the build amount the school wants.
0: Okay. Um, I got one more question, then I'm gonna ask just for your your overall kind of high level view on some some more advice and in addition to all the gems that you've already given. Um, I'm about to say, oh, so what are some different ways to, I know the word forbearance is big and the other one, what is the other popular term? So forbearance is when you just, you don't deferment. have to pay and no, interest is, no interest is accruing. Yeah, there's a few different terms that swirl around the student loan uh, lexicon
1: that are all very confusing, right? So mm-hmm. forbearance, forbearance is the deferment of a payment. Mm -hmm. Right. Forbearance says, um, you know, each individual loan that I owe will will go into forbearance, meaning uh, a payment will not become due on any of the loans that are in forbearance. Mm -hmm. Now, interest will accrue uh, on forbearance. Now, you know, that's just if you're in the repayment status. If you're in enrollment, if you're enrolled, right, Mm -hmm. um, you're going to have and you have federal loans. Mm-hmm. You're going to have two categories of loans, very likely. You're going to have, you know, subsidized and unsubsidized. While you're in school, your unsubsidized loans are accruing interest just as if they were a private loan.
0: Wow. Your
1: subsidized loans will not accrue interest while you're in enrollment. Okay. When you go to exit counseling, you're basically telling the federal government, hey, I am complete. I am uh, well and financial. Um, I have the financial wherewithal to pay back. I understand how much I owe. Mm-hmm. You click okay, it sends it, you know, sends it back. And now basically uh you have the choice of pay paying now or taking on that, you know, early graduate deferment that most people will do. Mm-hmm. You have your grace period of six months. Um and, then, and and you'll and you'll make your first payment. While you're in that grace period, your loans are in mm-hmm. uh forbearance. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, they're in um, they're in deferment,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh meaning that you know uh I think a certain level of interest will accrue and you won't have to make a payment. Um, so, so forbearance is just that you're going to, uh, have a lot interest to accrue forbearance is that I'm sorry, the, the forbearance is going to allow interest to accrue, but there's still a, there's no payment that's going to come due mm-hmm. deferment is that you don't have to make a payment. And depending on the loan class, you know, your loans are going to continue to accrue. Uh, I think when you're in deferment, the difference is just that those subsidized loans are still treated like you're in enrollment. Okay. And then you're going to, you know, so you're only your sub- subsidized, your unsubsidized loans will accrue interest. So it's kind of like an extension of being enrolled in the school.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah. And and there's other two terms I want to, I want to share with you guys that you should be aware of, which is loan consolidation and loan refinance, right? Consolidating of a loan means you're changing the administration of the loan. It means uh, if I'm going to consolidate a loan, I am in the act of I'm going to find, I'm going to be issued new debt. um, And that new debt is going to be the, 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 it's going to be at least the amount of uh, my smaller loans. Mm-hmm. I going to have smaller loans. I'm gonna issue myself one big loan. The big loan is going to total the amount of the smaller loans. Now I have effectively paid off my smaller loans mm-hmm. and now I owe the new lender uh, of this big loan amount with one interest, uh, interest rate. That's consolidation. Refinancing is saying I'm going to re my debt on a different mm-hmm. timetable. It says, hey, wow. I have a consolidated loan and, uh, when I agreed to this consolidated loan, I had a time period to pay it off, mm-hmm. but and I paid on it a bit. But hey, I need a new set of, you know, three or 10 years to pay it off. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. your debt will be reamortized and it'll be stretched out further. And that's how you get your lower payments, but your debt is now owed further into the future. And so mm-hmm. loan consolidation and refinance are, 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 are really big deals and things. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's it.
0: I just want to get those two terms out the way. No, that's that's very important. That's that's very important. Thanks for sharing that. Okay, man. Um, any any just last overall advice? Anything else you need to get off your chest, man? You're the you know the, the, the expert here. I know you have a, a pretty interesting background. I know if you want to share it or not, and some some of the work you've done and things you've been privy to see. Um, anything you just want to share for the audience on um, parents, college students, recent graduates, um, aspiring students that might um. Just be on the fence about whether they go to college or not due to its cost? Yeah, absolutely. You know,
1: if I, if I could go back to, um, you know, back when I was 18, one of the things I probably would do is probably um, I would have chosen a possibly a different university um, just because of the cost, mm-hmm. but um, I would have gone big for grad school. I would have gone cheap for undergrad and gone big for grad school because most folks just want to see, you know, what's your most recent education. And so if you can defray a cost like you know choosing say a cheaper school but your plans are going to go to a, a graduate school do that okay that's one of the first things i would do obviously you want to look for hey what job do i plan on having even if it's the basic you're selling insurance right maybe you got a career in selling insurance and just know no matter what what is the value of a bachelor's degree in your area right so go to payscale.com or some other website like that and find the network of your skill set um, it, that you're gonna come out of college with. So you can really wrestle with the number um, that people are gonna pay you. Mm-hmm. I came out of grad school and I was getting paid $43,000. And that was not part of my equation when I came out of grad school, okay? So I wish I had known and I would have really helped myself out, I chose a different pathway possibly, yeah. right? Um, another thing, there's plenty, and there's just so many of these things, but if you have private loans, you can refinance your private loans infinitely. Uh, If you have private loans, one of the big things that I do, and I have both public and private. So uh, one thing I did with my private loans is that um, uh, I came out of grad school and this may not be for everybody, but I I came out of grad school and I consolidated my private loans into um, into one single loan. And Mm -hmm. and I had to get it at a lower interest rate. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And the first increment of time, the first loan consolidation, I want to do 20 years. Basically, I'm not making a lot of money. I need to stretch out my debt as far as I can get it so I can have these small monthly payments mm-hmm. uh, on, my fa- on my private side of loans. Um, but, you know, at any point in time, and I, what I did back in um, 2014 when I came out, I consolidated it. But when I, in 2016, I decided, hey, you know what? I'm going to switch and I'm going to go to a different lender with an even cheaper interest rate. And so three years into my 20-year loan, I go, hey, I'm going to stop. And I'm going to find a new interest rate. And by the time my income had rose, my credit score rose, mm-hmm. and I was able to cut out, I was able to find a new loan that uh, basically reduced two years off of my repayment timetable overall, right? Because as you get more income and you become more credit worthy, people are willing to give you, um, willing to work with you about refinancing. And then you can yeah. find a way to um, actually skip you know, really reduce the number of years you have to pay. You know, I've seen the, the biggest difference I've seen is like 20 years turned into 12 because you kept refinancing at different portions. And every time you refinance, you don't have to stretch it out. Mm-hmm. You can actually collapse it and you can make it a shorter timetable because the interest rate is such a good deal. Wow. So, um, student loan planner, I'm sorry, student loan, um, planner, uh, planner.com, I think is the name of the website. They have some good information about how, how that works out. The one thing also on the federal side I wish I wanted to really talk to you guys about is just that you know, the question I get in the chat all the time is, how do I handle, you know, federal, how do I handle payment, repayment, right? Do I go for the debt snowball? Do I go for the debt avalanche? Um, And truth be told, you can't do either on federal loans until you understand how much in total unpaid interest you have on each of your loans. Mm -hmm. So what I mean by that is, you cannot pay down your federal loan debt until you uh, you know, till you actually pay off the unpaid interest on that on those each in, on those individual loans. Okay. So, when you come out of school, no matter if you went to grad school or not, if you got federal loans, very likely if you're not making a you know buco bucks out of grad out of out, out of undergrad, you're going to be making a very little bit amount of money. You're going to have a lot of debt.
2: Mm-hmm. The
1: first thing you're going to want to do is possibly enroll into an income-driven repayment plan. Mm-hmm. And the first thing you need to realize when you do is that you're probably not going to pay pay enough on your loans for for like two years to actually satisfy the interest on your loans okay. um, and that is because uh federal the the income driven repayment plan has nothing to do with conventional compound interest and everything to do with your income. It's an income driven repayment plan not I'm gonna pay off my debt faster plan okay that's not what the game is, and so when you come out of undergrad and you go into your income driven repayment plan, just know you need to figure out all those loans and interest rates so you can figure out and wrestle with the idea that you will not probably be making a dent on your federal loans when you come out of school. Just the numbers don't work. And you can see what you need to pay if you were to break it all out. And in the chat, we have a student loan payment planner. We just say, hey, every loan, every interest rate, and it calculates. Um, I, I encourage anybody to um, you know, get in touch, and we can work together one-on-one and work it out. Mm-hmm. But um, that's one thing you really should worry about you're Just coming out of school. You're not going to make enough money. And then when you do make good enough money, um, every time you recertify, choose your a- AGI retrieval tool. Um, that's going to be really helpful for your career because you're not going to be making a lot of money. And so that AGI retrieval tool, when you recertify your income driven repayment plan, mm-hmm. is going to lag behind. It's going to look at the present year and say, hey, you graduated in 2020, mm-hmm. but your income, your income taxes on file are for 2019.
2: Mm-hmm. So okay.
1: you were a student in 2019, your income reflects that, and here you are in 2020. So that means that your payment, your payment schedule for 2021 as you recertify in fall 2020 is going to be really low. Mm-hmm. This, this lagging effect of always looking back and using that AGI retrieval tool when you recertify your income driven payment plan, mm-hmm. that's going to save you so much money as you begin to stack, stack bread. Every year, because because you're, you're, basically your income driven repayment plan is going to say you make less money because it's always going to look back a year in the past right. to figure okay. out what you're going to pay in the future. Okay. And that's the one thing I always try to espouse and teach people and the group members is just how, how it actually works. Don't be afraid of, of student loans and how it works. The machinations, the terms. Don't be afraid. They have definitions. They have explanations. I'm here to help. Um, you know, I, it kind of this all kind of came from me when I was a, a a contractor for Department of Education and I was working on the National Student Loan Database System. And I was like, man, people need to understand how this works. Yep. I created that chat, and I, I try to you know just espouse all the thoughts and knowledge I gained over the uh, over the years. And I'm just trying to share it with anybody who's willing to listen.
0: Man, much much appreciated, bro. What you're what you're doing is is um, much needed work. Is is work that The second I saw your group chat, I I mean, that was, I think you started it. We're we're wrapping up. I mean, but when I I saw your group chat, I said, wow, that was before this platform was even um, built. But when the topic of student loans kept getting requested, I said, I think I know a guy. So what you're doing, man, we really appreciate it. Um, It's a lot to learn, but, you know, it's baby steps. So to the audience, Google, Jamal dropped plenty of links, websites, um, get in contact with us. We'll share his group me link where it's um a whole community of of students with loans just like yourself. So you're not alone out here. Just not gotta do your homework.
1: Absolutely. And take your time with it. It's it's tough. Um, I've, I've been repaying loans for I'm, I'm a professional student loan repayer. So <laughs> it takes time. Um, it's, it's not the easiest thing. It's certainly not intuitive, but be mm-hmm. patient and it will definitely get you there. You're not alone. Everybody's here to help. And that's what Chats for.
0: Much appreciated, and thank man. Thank
1: you for putting this platform on. I, I really do appreciate it. Uh, you know, just to have it all in one place.
0: Oh yeah, oh yeah, man. That's you know, each one teach one.
1: Absolutely. Each one teach one. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> each one, teach
0: one. Train it forward. Yep. So, so um, everybody watching and listening, we appreciate you. Get in contact with me, saving sip. We'll get you in contact with Jamal and all the amazing work that he's doing and all the great tools that he provides. So till next time, keep saving, keep sipping responsibly. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Take care, Jamal. Absolutely. All right. Another show in the books, man. What an honor to um, be able to discuss student loans with Jamal. I wish I had that conversation with a, a knowledgeable student loan expert, you know, before I went into college. But hindsight is twenty twenty. All we can do today is take the information that we have and make the best decisions with that information. So um execute. Execute is where I'm getting at. Now that you know, share it with somebody. You know, just keep on pushing the narrative. If y'all have any requests for different topics, y'all know where to find us at Save and SIP on all platforms, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter. And um, you know, we're gonna just keep answering the questions. So enjoy y'all day save responsibly sip responsibly we'll catch y'all soon until next time